You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. If this is your first time at Overflow, let me hear you. First timers. If this is not your first time at Overflow, let's welcome those uh, first timers to Overflow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to change this up a little bit. Uh, Where are the UNT students at? All right, where are the UNT students who actually found parking this morning at? Wow, okay, okay. Uh, Where are the TWU students at? TWU. Okay, where are the TWU students uh, who actually like the new TWU logo at? Yeah, okay, two of you. Nice, nice. Uh, Last but not least... Or last and most, where are the NCTC students at? Yeah, we got it. <laughs> Go Lions. <laughs> Go Lions. That's awesome. Uh, class of 2021, where are you at? Class of 2021. Welcome to Denton. Welcome to Overflow. Uh, are there any people in here uh, who just dominated uh, the race of school and you were just taking a nice, sweet sweet victory lap? Do we have anybody in here taking a victory lap? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, fifth year senior, right. Welcome to Overflow, guys. My name is Zach Cunningham, and I'm the college pastor here uh, at Overflow. Uh, and I, I've been here for about three years, and I absolutely love this place. Um, about a year ago, I was sitting in a Thursday night accounting class. Uh, then that just sound awesome. Uh, and it's a Thursday night accounting class, and I'm sitting next to uh, my twin brother. Uh, and so we're sitting there, and what we did was we changed our degree plan uh, from a BSMS to a BBA, Uh, All of that means we graduated a semester early. And so because we were going to graduate a semester early, um, that last semester, uh, we only had to take six hours. And so because we only had to take six hours, we only had to pay for six hours. And because we only had to pay for six hours, that bill that semester turned into a refund. If you guys don't know what a refund is, just ignore everything I just said. Um, But what happened was we're sitting there in this Thursday night class, and... uh, and my refund hit the bank, I got that glorious email, and I nudged Cole, uh, he's sitting right over here, and I nudged him, I said, Cole, look, my refund just hit the bank, and he looked at me, and I've never seen my brother so real, he said, if my refund looks like that, I'm getting married, okay, and so side note, my twin brother has been dating Lauren, uh, this girl named Lou, for about nine months, um, and then another side note, he actually met Lou uh, here at Overflow, um, so happy hunting, fellas, um, <laughs> I'm going to get fired. Uh, well, anyways, I nudge Cole. I nudge Cole, and I show him this refund, and he says, dude, I'm getting married. And I'm like, dude, you're not real. Well, that next week, uh, his refund hits. And he says, dude, I'm getting married. I'm like, dude, you're not serious. And uh, that next week, he says, I talked to her dad. I'm like, what? And then that weekend, that weekend, he said, I bought the ring. And then that next weekend, Cole texts me, says, I'm proposing today. And that dude proposed that day. And then 13 days ago from tonight, my twin brother married the love of his life. We actually have a picture, uh, I think. And so there's Cole and Lou. Congratulations. They're actually sitting right over here. Yeah. And so that's my brother and Lou and then I. You can take that down. I'm, I'm like sweating uh, profusely in that picture. The wedding is outside. Hey, there's no shame. Anyway, so uh, the reason why I bring that up is because the past two weeks of my life have been crazy. Uh, and my life has changed a lot. Um, for 22 and a half years, 
um, Cole and I uh, shared a room. We always lived together. Uh, we actually shared a bed together, uh, a bunk bed from like uh, 1 to 18 years old. And then uh, like a year ago, we actually shared a bed, like a queen-size bed. I laid this way, and he laid this way. Uh, we, it was just understood. We never explicitly even said that out loud, but we did that. Um, but now Cole, Lou, and I share a bed. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> That's, listen, listen, that's a joke, and that's not even a good joke, and you laughed, all right? So, so I'm kidding, but anyways, our lives have changed. Um, I used to see Cole every day. Uh, tonight's actually the second time I've seen him in uh, 13 days. Uh, we no longer live in the same city anymore. Um, so all that to say, our, life have, our lives have changed a lot in the past two weeks, and I know Cole, if you could stand up here and tell you, he'd say the same thing from his end. Uh, and I say that because I would bet that uh, your lives have changed uh, in the past two weeks, uh, probably more so than mine, especially if you're a class of 2021, all right? No longer are you in high school having to wake up at 8 a.m. and go to school for eight hours a day, right? How did we do that, right? You're not doing that. Raise your hand if you have an 8 a.m. Oh, my gosh, man. God bless you. My only advice, listen, that's a lot, man. My only advice for you is to drop out. Not even, <laughs> listen, not even of the class. I'm talking about college, man. It's not even worth it, all right? So uh, those are, you're not taking 8 a.m.s, or you are, actually. Um, you are not um, having to uh, be home by the 11 p.m. curfew that your mom gave you. And then if you're not texting her saying, I made it home alive, some of you are like, dude, I, I still do that. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you're on your own now. You're making your own decisions now, of which the first needs to be to take off uh, the lanyard. Um, put the key... <laughs> Listen, put the key on your key ring uh, and put the ID in your wallet. You're going to survive college, uh, I promise. Um, and here's the, here's the thing. So you can tell the past two days, the past two days you can tell uh, when you see a freshman on campus. And I'm not making another lanyard joke. I'm talking about um, the people, all you 8 a.m. people, uh, who got up two hours before your 8 a.m., uh, ladies putting on makeup, um, and then uh, putting on the outfit that you had laid out since graduation. Uh, and, and guys, listen, I'm not just talking to the ladies. Uh, even we knew that mom was going to text us for the back-to-school picture, uh, and we are going to have to send it, and she was going to put that baby on Facebook. And so we had our best outfit out, and we were at class 30 minutes early. Um, that uh, is going to, uh, as, as the innocence fades over time, uh, you will slowly uh, but surely um, stop wearing all that and wear a, what, a hat, uh, sunglasses, athletic shorts, and you will uh, roll into class about two minutes late. Um, it's a glorious transition. Uh, most of you have a new roommate, uh, of which you will probably hate or strongly dislike in about three weeks. Uh, and some of you are whispering right now, uh, no, not, not us. Yes, you. Um, you. You most likely will walk into Bruce, see your roommate eating lunch, and then sit on the other side of the cafeteria. Uh, it'll just happen. Um, so, so you have a new roommate. Uh, all that to say, um, if you are here tonight, you survived the first two days of college. Uh, and some of you, yeah, some of you are like, oh, two days, I loved it. The other two are like, two down, 73 to go. And, and I, can, I can appreciate that, and I can empathize with that. Um, but here's the thing. Your life has changed a lot in the past two weeks. Um, but just imagine how much it can change in the next few years, right? You're not even going to recognize yourself. Most likely, you have changed your major about five times. Um, has anybody in here already changed their major? Oh, my gosh. This semester? Oh, gosh, man. Okay. Anyways, you most likely contemplate dropping out about 10 times 
uh, a day, and your five-year plan, listen, and your five-year plan is going to look nothing like your life will look in about five years. Um, but here's a reason why I wanted to start the year off talking about how your life has changed, um, because I believe that what we talk about tonight at Overflow and this semester uh, can change your life, uh, and for many of you, even your eternity. Okay, so I'm not sure how you heard about Overflow. Maybe you uh, got a flyer on campus. Maybe you saw a tweet or a Facebook event. Uh, Maybe someone uh, invited you via text message. Maybe somebody an hour ago was driving on campus with their windows down and said, bro, jump in. They've got first flight codes. Um, We do not have any codes here, but please stay. Please stay. Um, But I believe that the Lord uh, can change your life. Uh, And so as I began praying uh, about where the direction God was leading us, and how to start the year off, I wanted to do it by answering a couple of simple questions. Uh, Two questions that I believe have the same answer. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these questions down. The questions are, uh, what is overflow about? So what is overflow about? And two, why are we here? What is overflow about and, and why are we here? Why in the world in Uh, The busyness of life uh, and the craziness of college is there 400 people gathered uh, in a building on Tuesday night. And so that's the question I want to answer tonight. And I believe the answer to that question is found in Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, uh, flip it to Philippians chapter 3. If you have a phone, you can pull it up. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be camped out tonight. You'll hear some pages turning. If you got it, say, got it. Sweet. All right, so before we dive into this passage, uh, a little bit of context. Uh, The Apostle Paul uh, is a follower of Jesus whose life was radically changed by Jesus and for Jesus. Uh, Just real quick, he was a terrorist who killed Christians, uh, and now he's one of the greatest Christian uh, missionaries to ever walk on the face of the earth. Um, He went around preaching about Jesus all over the world, and now he's in jail for it. Uh, He's going to write a letter to a church that he started in Philippi. And so he's at the end of his life, and he's writing uh, to this church, uh, just reflecting on his life. Uh, And so we're going to look at what he says in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So what we got here is Paul is addressing a problem that has arisen in the church. And by problem, I mean a group of people called the Judaizers. Uh, They're going to be these Jewish people who like followed Paul around and taught that in order to be a Christian, you had to do this, this, and this. Uh, They were so obsessed with the law and with religion That they taught in order to gain God's favor, you had to do a series of works. And so Paul's going to address these people uh, and look at what he calls them in verse 2. He says, look out for the dogs. All right, now when some of you hear the word dogs, 
uh, you go, oh, puppies. Um, that is not what Paul is saying right here. Dogs are going to be the scum of the earth, uh, these people that are strongly disliked. Uh, and the irony here is that the Judaizers, this group that he's calling dogs, went around calling everyone else dogs. And so we got a little bit of uh, Paul saying, uh, no, you guys are the dogs, like uh, first century smack talk. Um, but keep reading. He's going to say, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And so these dogs would go around uh, and tell people that in order to be a Christian, uh, you had to do a certain series of works like circumcision, uh, keep this law, keep this law, uh, this dietary law. And Paul's going to say, look out for the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. They were all obsessed with these external religious acts. We'll keep reading. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. So Paul is going to continue talking trash with these Judaizers, right? He's going to say, look, if these guys want to boast in what they've done and these little uh, deeds that they're doing, these JV stuff, look, I've got more than them. All right, he's going to go through this list. Look at verse 5. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And then he says, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. All right, so Paul's going to go through this list. All right, he's going to say, look, I wasn't one of these guys who got adopted into the Jewish religion later on in life. I've been here since day one or day eight, right? I was circumcised on the eighth day. You you want to know where it says to do that? Leviticus. I read Leviticus. It's in chapter 12, verse 3, dog. And so he's going to keep going. He's going to say, uh, look, I was of the people of Israel. And not just of the people of Israel, but the tribe of Benjamin. And so the tribe of Benjamin is going to be this famous tribe uh, in in Israel uh, where the first king came from. Uh, His name is Saul. Paul was actually even named after Saul. And then within Benjamin's boundaries is going to be the the capital city, Jerusalem. And so he's from this very prestigious tribe of Benjamin. Uh, And then keep reading. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning I am 100% Hebrew. Uh, You can't get more Hebrew than I am. I'm pure blood. And so we've seen Paul list these privileges that he was born with. And now we're going to see him list things that he's done. So keep reading. He says, as to the law... A Pharisee. And so a Pharisee is this group of people, uh, these religious elite people um, who thought they were better than everyone else, uh, and they went around high social class. Uh, and so uh, when we think of Pharisee, uh, we think of these hypocrites. And in, in many ways, they were a hypocrite. Uh, and Jesus uh, calls them out on that multiple times. But these Pharisees are people who love the Bible. You know, they studied the Bible. They memorized the Bible. They committed their life to knowing the Bible. And so Paul's going to say, look, I was a Pharisee. And then keep reading. He's going to say, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Paul's going to say, look, I wasn't some nominal Jew sitting in the back pew. No offense to you guys back there. Um, but, but listen, when, when the Christians came into my scene uh, and, and threatened my Jewish religion, I didn't just sit back and watch and play games. I went out and I killed them. I persecuted them. We see in the book of Acts that, that Paul is there when Stephen, uh, the first martyr of the Christian religion, uh, meaning uh, the first person to die for his faith, Paul was there approving of it. And then he goes from city to city to city, literally trying to kill Christians. Paul says, look, I was zealous. I was zealous. And then keep reading. And then he says, 
as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul says, I was blameless. How arrogant is that? He says, I was blameless. Paul says, if you want to play this religious game, step up into the ring and I will knock you out. And I'm not, I'm not talking about a TKO. I'm talking about I will knock you out, right? Step up and, and I am better than you. If anyone should brag, it should be I. So Paul's going to list all these things that he's done. He was an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee. He was zealous and he was blameless. And then look at what he's going to say in in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. This pile of gain that I had, all the things that this world has to offer, I counted as loss for one thing, and that one thing is Christ. That one thing is Christ. Look back at verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count... Everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings and becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so over and over and over again, Paul is going to say, all the things that this world has to offer, pile into one, is completely worthless compared to Christ. It is completely worthless compared to Christ. Look at verse 8 again. It says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my, my Lord. I want to know Christ. I give up everything just to know him. Keep reading. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So he says, I count all these things, this pile of stuff that I have, all this legalistic righteousness and all this zeal, and I I count it as rubbish compared to Christ. And that word rubbish is only used one time in the Bible, and it's a terrible translation. Um, That word in the Greek uh, means manure, and, and Paul was trying to think of the, the strongest term he could use uh, just to discount this. And so he's going to say, all this stuff that I've, I've gained, all the things in the world has to offer, uh, when piled up into one thing and compared to Christ, uh, it's all crap. It's all crap. It's dung or manure. All these things, when compared to Christ, it's all crap and meaningless. I would lose it all just for Christ. I would lose it all just for Christ. And so I started off this night in this passage of Scripture trying to answer uh, two questions that have the same answer. Uh, and the answer to that, those questions is not because we're good people or that we're better than anyone else or that we're morally good. That's not the answer. The answer is that in Christ, we have found something worth losing everything for. In Christ... We have found something worth losing everything for. That's why we're here. And that is what overflow is about, Jesus Christ. And so Paul does in these uh, verses, in this passage, what I want to happen uh, to overflow and to Denton and to our campuses and to each one of you here. Uh, He sees Christ as so valuable and he treasures him over all things. I count all things as lost compared to to knowing Christ. Oh, may we treasure Christ.
And so don't miss this. Don't miss this. Look at me. This was radically different than the Jesus I was taught in Sunday school. This is radically different Christianity than the Christianity I grew up knowing. So I, I cruised through high school uh, with my long list of mission trips uh, and church camps. Uh, my perfect attendance record at, at church and at Sunday school. I, I cruised through high school. I even went to church every Sunday morning and Wednesday night if I knew for a fact that the girl I was crushing on was going to be there that Wednesday night. So I read the Bible. I did all of these things. I even prayed a prayer and asked a Jesus to come into my heart, but it was not this Jesus. It wasn't the Jesus of the Bible. Listen, I'm convinced that there are thousands and thousands of people who come to church every Sunday morning. They go to Bible study. They go to Sunday school. They get caught up into all these religious stuff their whole lives, and they will die and give an account before the Lord. And just like the people in Matthew 7, they're going to start listing these things that they've done. Didn't we go to church? Didn't we know the Bible? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Listen, the question I want to ask you tonight, uh, whether this is your first time at Overflow or your 50th, whether you grew up in church your whole life, or this is your first time coming to a church service, whether you're a freshman or a super senior, get through all the crap. Uh, the question is, do you treasure Jesus? Do you treasure Jesus? Uh, don't let all the rubbish come in. I did this. I did that. I prayed a prayer. That's not the question the Bible gives us. The question is, do you treasure Christ? Do you know him? Do you treasure him? I'm going to be real transparent with you. For 19 years, I pretended to know Jesus, and it was exhausting. It was completely exhausting. To call yourself a Christian and then to not have Christ, it leaves you uh, with a laundry list of things to do and no real reason to do them. Right? So I, I went to church um, out of obligation and then left feeling empty, I read the Bible out of obligation and left feeling uh, way more confused than I was before. Uh, and then I was morally a good person compared to my friends around me uh, for one purpose, and that was to make my grandfather proud. Um, but there was no joy in any of those things. There was no joy in any of those things. But when I was a freshman at UNT, by the grace of God, I was shown a treasure that I would give up everything for. And I want you to see uh, the way Jesus says it. Uh, hold that spot in Philippians and go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. We're going to start in verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. All right, it says this, the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. So the kingdom is like a treasure. Uh, the man finds the treasure, and then it says, in his, give me the word, joy, he goes and sells all that he has. It wasn't sluggish, it wasn't forced. But out of his joy, he, he sees all the gains that he has in life, all the gains, and he, he sells it all for one thing, 
and it's Christ. And so this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. When you've got all the things that this world has to offer stacked up over here, and over here you have Christ, and you have to make a decision, you choose Christ every single time. And so that's what this parable about is about. And so why do you choose Christ? Uh, because he's worth it. And so you may be asking yourself, well, Zach, you've, you've gone over and over again telling us that Jesus Christ is valuable and worth it. And, and he's supposed to be our treasure. But you haven't really told us why, and you haven't really told us how Jesus is our treasure. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, go back to chapter uh, 3 of Philippians. Philippians 3. Paul's going to tell us he treasures Jesus over all things, and we want to know why. Why, Paul, why are you saying all of these crazy things? We'll go back to verse 7. It's going to say this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that, so here's why, I may gain Christ and be found in him. Well, how are we found in him? Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. So not by doing stuff. Not by all these religious actions, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So Paul's going to use the word righteousness uh, two times in these uh, four. And I kind of want to break them down for you. But before I do that, I need to uh, lay some foundation. Uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, God created the world. And it goes something like this. God created this and this and this, and it was good. Right? And so it was in this perfect harmony. Uh, everything was good. Matt Chandler puts it, uh, it was in this rhythm, this perfect rhythm. It's like listening to a, uh, an orchestra or like the UNT jazz band, and everyone's just on beat, and things are just sounding so beautiful. And so everything's on in rhythm. But all of a sudden, in Genesis 3, something happens that fractures that rhythm. Something happens uh, that messes up that harmony uh, and it's like a, a rogue drummer that just went off, and now everything is in pure chaos. And so the Bible says that because of that uh, fracture in the rhythm, uh, we are no longer uh, with God. And that's where the word righteousness comes in. There's this gap that exists between God and us. Romans 3 literally calls it, we fall short of the glory of God. Right? And so this is where we are unright with God. We're not righteous, we are unrighteous meaning we're not with God. And so Paul's going to describe two ways that we can gain this righteousness, two ways that we can try to be made right with God. The first is by the law. And so look at verse 9. He's going to say this, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. And so this is what we've been talking about all night. You can't do stuff in order to get to God. You can't earn your way up here. All of this stuff that you do, Paul calls a, a pile of rubbish. All right, You can't do it. man. I, I can't be righteous on my own. And so that's the first way. Uh, but look at the second way. It says, but. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So what happens next in the story is that out of love, God sends his son, Jesus Christ, into the chaotic world, uh, and to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, and then three days later, raised from the dead. And so that whoever believes in Christ 
uh, is credited with his righteousness, his perfect righteousness, those who believe in him. And so how do you get that righteousness? We'll go back. It says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but the righteousness which comes how? Through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So by the grace of God, God has created a way for us to be made right with God, and it is by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. And that is how we're made right with God. You want to know why Jesus Christ is our treasure? Keep reading. Look at verse 12. Paul says, Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. So question, why is Jesus Christ our treasure? Answer, we treasure Christ because Christ treasured us. We treasure Christ because he treasured us. Not that we're already righteous or perfect. We're not there yet. I wish, I wish I could tell you we're there, but we're not. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We treasure Christ. We reach for Christ. We try to grab hold of Christ. Why? Because Christ has grabbed hold of us by dying on the cross of Calvary. That is why Jesus is our treasure. Because he treasured us on the cross. He died our death, and now we live uh, a life for him, and we would even die for Christ. One of my favorite thoughts I try to tell people on campus when I tell them about Jesus is that I'm not afraid to die. You should see the looks on their faces when you just go up and be like, yeah, I'm not afraid to die. They're like, dude, you're crazy, and you're like, yeah, that's what I just said, man. I'm I'm not afraid to die, all right? And so uh, I tell them that, and it's so freeing, There's freedom in not being afraid to die. Paul, this is what Paul says when he says, I count everything as loss, including life, as loss for Christ. And he says it more notably uh, in Philippians 1, uh, verse 21. Look down at it. Philippians 1, 21. It says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He says, look, man, as as long as I'm I'm alive, I'm going to live for Christ. But if I die... Oh, it is so much sweeter, right? If I die, it is gain. So imagine, uh, imagine the freedom that is there. Uh, imagine how difficult and frustrating this must have been for Paul's enemies, for, for the Judaizers and the Roman officials. They said, dude, stop preaching about Jesus. And Paul says, no, dude, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He says, fine, we'll lock you up. Well, then I'll just preach the gospel to the guards. Fine, we'll kill you. To die is gain. We'll let you live. Well, to live is Christ. Paul is the most free dude in the world. <laughs> Imagine the freedom that is there. Now, a lot of you probably have experienced a lot of freedom of the past uh, two weeks or so. I remember my first few days on campus at UNT. Uh, we didn't have first flight week. So just imagine the freedom that comes with that. But we didn't ha- and so literally all you had to do is wake up and do what you want. And then someone told me you didn't have to go to class. Some of you like... You don't have to go to class. You didn't hear that from me, all right? But, but literally, all you had to do was stay in your room. There was so much freedom there. A lot of you probably have experienced a lot of freedom at, at, in college. 
But I'm here to tell you there is infinitely more freedom found in treasuring Christ over all things. To live is Christ and to die is gain. To count everything as loss. To count money as loss. To count looks as loss. To count jobs as loss. To count family, friends, education, graduation as loss. When compared with the glory and the treasure that is Christ Jesus. But don't hear what I'm not saying. All right, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you um, tonight when you get done with overflow to get in your car, uh, go to your dorm, get all your stuff, put it in your car, drive to the bank, withdraw the $11 from your checking account, <laughs> drive to the top of the UNT uh, parking garage. On the way, call your friends and say, dude, you're lost, hang up. And then call your, your mom and say, Mom, this guy on stage told me to drop out of college, uh, to quit my job, and by the way, you're a pile of rubbish, and then hang up, and then go to the top of the parking garage, um, take your Bible out of the car, put everything in the car, set that baby on fire, and walk away expecting Jesus to swoop you up into heaven. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what the Bible says. All right, those things are good things in and of themselves. But what the Bible does say is if you take a good thing and you make it the ultimate thing, you're living for something that's not worth living for. When you take a good thing and you make it the ultimate thing, you're robbed of the joy that comes from uh, living for Christ as the ultimate thing. So here's how this plays out. Let's say uh, you take money. So you take money and that's your ultimate thing. That's what you're living for. That's where you get your joy from. And so you're living for money. What happens uh, when your car breaks down on I-35 and you have to get a new transmission and then you don't get the job promotion that you needed to pay rent and then you just get robbed? What happens is your money's gone. And when your money's gone and it's your ultimate thing, uh, your source of joy is gone. <laughs> well, uh, I could do this again. Uh, take it, it's your girlfriend. Your girlfriend is your source of joy. You get all this joy from her. You spend all your time and money and money and energy and all these things. And listen, all these things on her, right? And things are going great until she dumps you for Gerald, who lives in traditions. And, and then now what? Now what? No, listen. Now what, bro? Like, your source of joy is gone. I could keep going. What if it's sports? You break your leg. All right? Your dreams are crushed. What if it's career and you hate your boss and your boss hates you? right? What if it's education? You failed all your classes. Like, you could keep going. When your joy is rooted in something of the world, it will betray you. But listen, when your joy, the ultimate treasure of your life is Christ, your joy is not coming from the world. It's rooted in the blood-bought promises of God. Your joy ain't going nowhere, all right? And so these things that were given to you by God, these are good things. Um, Money uh, was given to you by God to be used in such a way to make it plain to the world that money was not your treasure, right? Friends and family were given to you by God to love in such a way that you would make it plain to the world that friends and family are not your treasure. Your education, UNT, you being here at UNT, NCTC, T-Dub, was given to you by God to be used in such a way that you would make it plain to the world that education, success, uh, and your career is not your treasure, Christ is. When you take a good thing and make it the ultimate thing, you are robbing 
yourself of joy. And so if you're a believer in here, uh, if you know Christ, uh, my hope tonight is that you would see this pile of stuff, all these things that you have in life, all the gains that college has to offer, uh, you would see that pile and you would count it as loss for the sake of knowing this Christ. Do you treasure that Christ? And if you aren't a believer in here, maybe <clears throat> someone invited you, or maybe you're just trying to get to the bottom of this Jesus thing, first of all, I'm glad you're here. I hope you keep coming back here. But my hope for you tonight is that God, by his grace, would show you the treasure that is Christ Jesus, and you would see it and count everything as loss for the sake of Christ. Live your life for Christ. He's the only thing worth living for and giving up everything for. Let me pray. God, we do thank you for this day that you've given us, for this ministry of overflow, God, that we can come together and worship you as a treasure of our lives. God, that we would live for you and count all things as loss, uh, education, money, friends and family, uh, these good things, God. But if we had to choose, we would choose you. And God, I don't, I don't make light uh, of losing things, God. We, we pray uh, for the people in Houston who have lost everything. God, we, we pray that you would uh, take the, the, the rain away, uh, God, and let the water fall, Lord, that people might uh, be healed and the healing process can even begin. God, we pray for that, Lord. But uh, in the end, God, we treasure Christ over comfortability, uh, over materials, God. We want to know you deeper. Lord, may we treasure you with all we've got. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.